Before we get into today's episode, I want to remind you, babes, that on my website, there's the referral page, and I just added a new astrologer. Their name is Christopher, and they're super awesome. If you are looking to get a reading, hit them up, check them out. I also have jewels on there, so check them out as well if you are looking for readings, because I am still not in the business of doing them. So these people are great. And yeah, check them out, see if you vibe. And if you do, book a reading with them. And with that said, let's get into the ninth house. We've been to the place of the goddess in the third house. So now we finally come to the place of God. And it makes sense, right? The third house is directly opposite the ninth, so we're going to see a lot of similarities, but also differences. It's like kind of looking at two sides of the same coin when you're looking at houses that are opposite each other, but I think the third and the ninth in particular do a really good job of playing off of each other. So let's let's see how that, you know, kind of shakes out. The sun has its joy in the ninth house. And there's no denying that the sun is the ruler of all things. In astrology, mythology, and even some religions, the sun is considered to be a god, or at the very least, a father, maternal, patriarchal type figure. So this house being called the place of God, and then the sun having its joy here, is kind of no surprise. Like it really does go hand in hand. So now that we know that the luminaries have their joys in the third and the ninth houses, if we look at the speeds of each luminary and what the houses themselves signify, we can make an even stronger case as for why they would be in these places, why they would have their joy in these houses. The moon moves super fast staying in a sign for approximately two and a half days. She also waxes and wanes in a really reliable routine fashion. When you're first starting out in astrology, I think one of the easiest things to track is the moon. And that is because not only is she super visible, you know, we can see her, she's right there literally in our backyard, but also it's it's a reliable thing. We know she goes through these phases at these times at this like at this length. It's just something that we understand and it's reliably done. She moves through the entire zodiac in about a month's time, and we could even say it's just like all familiar territory for her. Again, she waxes, she wanes, she gets full, she she goes dark, all of it is in a very routine fashion. The sun, however, moves a lot slower, staying in a sign for approximately 30 days at a time. It takes the course of an entire year for the sun to move through the zodiac. It's much more of a pilgrimage or an epic journey than it is a routine travel. And as we get into the significations, we'll start to really see how these houses have similar agendas and they play really well off of each other but they go about things in vastly different ways. As always, you should look to the ruler of the ninth house for meaning. So if your ninth house is in Gemini, then you'll want to see where Mercury is and what it's up to to kind of go further in your delineations. Let's start with some buzzwords and phrases to describe the ninth house. We have religion and philosophy, travel and foreign lands or foreign people, divination, astrology, and occult studies, as well as 
higher educational pursuits in general, authority figures, and then priests, prophets, and heretics. I think the real biggie that everyone knows for this house is religion and philosophy. This is a very spiritual house. Any planets or placements having to do with the ninth house are going to indicate our beliefs or even lack of beliefs. A really interesting one that I've seen in my chart is the ruler of the second house is in the ninth. If you babes remember, the second house has to do with not only money and possessions, but also sustenance, things that bring us life, and that includes food. It just so happens that I'm vegan. Having the ruler of the second house in the ninth plays out for me in a way that I look at food in a very philosophical way. I'm an ethical vegan, meaning the main reasons I'm vegan are of the ethical variety. Food is just really philosophical for me in general. I tend to view it as fuel and not so much as like something you do for pleasure. That's just how I see it in my chart play out personally. If you have this same delineation and you're not vegan, it could be that you view money and possessions in a very philosophical manner or that you try to sustainably source your goods and you care about the ethics of the companies you buy from. It could be a million things. Again, don't just take what I say for me and apply it to you because that's not going to be true because our charts are going to be different. I'm just giving you an example of how it plays out for me. Religion and philosophy is huge for this house, and there's a lot of different areas of our lives we can apply ethics to. So really sit down with your chart and see where all the rulers are, which ones have a connection to the ninth house, and how maybe you're a little more philosophical or spiritual in that area of your life. Moving away from the religion and philosophy significations, we go to long-distance travel and anything foreign. As far as foreign things are concerned, it can be foreign people, customs, influences, languages, or literal travel to foreign places. The third house, it does deal with travel, but it's only short distances or places that we routinely go. The ninth house deals more with big trips or travels that aren't taken frequently. You can think of these as a pilgrimage, something beyond the typical trip you would take, like a big, big travel abroad type thing, a trip like a once in a lifetime kind of trip, or just once like every five years kind of trip. It's something that you don't do with regular frequency. A lot of the time I see placements in this house express as studying abroad when people are in school or having a really life-altering experience when they're on a trip outside of the country. There's definitely something with the ninth house and any planets that are placed in it that tend to have a connection to foreign places or even just kind of foreign ways of thinking. And that doesn't, when I say foreign ways of thinking, I just mean different ways of thinking as well outside of the box. If you're like me and you don't like to physically travel, it can also be of the mental variety. You can explore other cultures, religions, and philosophies through books or virtual teachers rather than taking the actual physical trip itself. The next signification is a really important one because it's literally the crux of this entire podcast and kind of what Moon Matters is in general, and that's astrology. 
Yes, the ninth house actually includes the study of astrology, as well as all forms of divination and occult interests. I know modern astrologers will try to put the occult kind of spoopy stuff in the eighth house, but in traditional astrology, it is definitely in the ninth. And it makes sense for astrology and divination to be in the ninth house, right? If this is the home of religion and philosophy, the occult is just like a hop, skip, and a jump away. It's an extremely spiritual house, and that includes all forms of spirituality, not just, you know, the Abrahamic or mainstream types of religion or spirituality. So if you're into tarot, runes, meditation, doing magic, mixing potions, anything, anything that is spiritual, if you have an altar, if you do some sort of devotional activity, all of that is going to be seen in this house. Astrology is the closest thing that I have to a religion personally. And honestly, I think a lot of other people might say the same, that it's really become a big part of their spiritual practice. And it almost is kind of like a a religion at times. So yeah, astrology, ninth house. The third house is our early education up to about high school and anything after that belongs to the ninth house. What we learn in the ninth house is what helps us to kind of hone in on our direction in life and where we want to go. It's more so what we want to think about. What is it we're interested in enough to actually spend time investing in and exploring? That's the ninth house. Higher educational pursuits go here. And while oftentimes that means college, it can also mean just things we spend time educating ourselves on or taking classes, being certified in something. It doesn't have to be college, but it really is something that you're not being forced to do. It's not like high school where it's like, okay, you got to go through these steps. You got to go through it and do your high school stuff, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. It's not that. This is you have an interest in something and you're taking it one step further and you're studying it and you're doing it because you are truly fascinated by it. You're captivated. It's something you deeply believe in. So that's what I mean by higher learning. It's really an expansion of your mind, and it doesn't have to be through college or the typical avenues. It can be in any way that you study or you get certified, anything like that. I also want to mention that publishing is seen here. If you're a writer, a lot of the time you'll have placements in this house if you publish novels or bigger works. The third house is for things we publish routinely, like blogs, magazines, podcasts. And the ninth house is for your life's work or publications much bigger than just a blog post. I have placements in both the third and the ninth. I have a stellium in the third though. So that's where a lot of my publishing, I'll say, happens. I do blog posts. I have this podcast, I do things in much a much more routine fashion than I do like the big once and done. Since I do have that, you know, my Mars in the ninth, I assume at some point there will be a book, but do not hold me to it. I am not saying anything about it. Just forget I even said it because I, who knows when it'll happen. We'll see. One of the last things I want to talk about before we get into the celebrity example is the idea of the priest, prophet, and heretic. The ninth house gets the stereotype of being this place where gurus or spiritual leaders are kind of born, and that's not entirely false. But I hope through some of the other significations that I gave you in the episode that 
you realize there's more to it than that. But it can definitely be a place where authority figures on religion, spirituality, or philosophy have prominent placements. And depending on what those placements are, that's kind of where like the heretic part comes in. Some people are just born to rock the boat. And just because you have placements here doesn't mean you're going to be like a spiritual leader of some sort. It's just if you have them here and those are strong planets within your chart, it's likely that it's going to be important for you to explore your religion and your spirituality and your beliefs and then maybe be a figure head for other people to, you know, talk about it with or just be a resource for other people to learn about those beliefs through. Okay. So what have we learned about the ninth house? It's a deeply spiritual and philosophical place, and it includes occult studies as well as astrology. Expansion through mental exploration, as well as physically traveling abroad, is a big part of this house's expression. Oftentimes, people with prominent placements here end up having some sort of authority or they're respected for their opinions on ninth house topics but they could also end up becoming a heretic of sorts if they're not careful. Or maybe that's their goal in general, to be a heretic, to push back against the system and really, again, rock the boat. For the celebrity examples up until this point, I've been doing these really like in-depth, elaborate dives into the celebrity and explaining how the placements have kind of like played out throughout their lives. For this example, though, I want to show how literal astrology can be sometimes. Sometimes what the planets are saying, it's not like this cryptic message that you need to have studied for like 10 years to understand. Sometimes it's just a literal representation of that planet and that house. It's not a guarantee that if you have this placement that it's going to play out this way. But let's just say that it was pretty easy for me to find multiple examples of this ninth house placement and how it played out for these people all in the same way. Our ninth house celebrities, plural, are Miley Cyrus, Ricky Martin, Sylvester Stallone, Lucille Ball, and Edward Norton. Now, what do all these seemingly random celebrities have in common? They are all born different years, different dates, different times, so it's not like their charts are even at all similar. So what could it be? Well, all of them have Venus in the ninth house and all of them married someone from a foreign country. When we look for partnerships or marriages in a chart, one of the first places we look is where Venus is, what condition she's in, and the other connection she's making in the chart. Astrology is vast. And there's a lot of mitigating factors to how these things play out, but sometimes it really is that simple. Each of these celebrities that I listed have Venus in the ninth, the house of foreign travel, lands, and people, and each of them married someone from a foreign land at some point. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, all those marriages lasted or it was their final marriage, but at some point, each of them married someone who was from a different country. Now, again, not every person that has Venus in the ninth is going to marry someone from another country because it's just not true. There's plenty of examples where it doesn't happen, like Courtney Love. Courtney Love has Venus in the ninth and she was married to Kurt Cobain. 
Now, we could make the argument that their relationship was sort of a philosophical one and kind of still is a weird philosophical debate at times. Whenever the anniversary comes up, it's always like, did Courtney do it? Was it Courtney? (laughs) That's kind of just what I always see whenever, you know, anyone brings up Kurt Cobain or the anniversary of his death. So at the time of their marriage, Kurt Cobain was basically, and I say this lightly, he was kind of a cult leader in his own right. Although he didn't want anything to do with it, he was really famous and people were obsessed with him. He had this massive following and the topics of his songs were often about religion or they were super philosophical. I mean, the band's name was Nirvana which is a Buddhist concept, so it's not like religion was nowhere to be found with this man. He was probably considered a prophet by his fans or some sort of guru, and especially now since his death, I feel like people have memorialized him in a very like guru-y, you know, philosophical leader type way more than ever. I'm not a huge Nirvana fan. Please, nobody send me any hate mail. It's not that I don't like, you know, Nirvana. I just don't really, it's not my type of music, but I I really think that people still feel super strongly about him and what he did in the music industry and what he stood for philosophically and ethically like as a person. So Courtney's chart doesn't really reflect marrying someone from a foreign country as much as it does the leader of a religious or philosophical movement. So this is why learning astrology takes time and effort. The best way to learn is by seeing as many charts as you can really get your hands on and learning the life of the native that lived the chart and then seeing how those placements expressed. Because had I not, you know, looked into Courtney Love's life or Miley Cyrus's life and I see they both have uh, Venus in the ninth, I could be like, well, they both marry foreigners like the end. And that's not true. That's not that's not the case here. And that's watering down the system of astrology too much. It's so rich and it's so vast that you can read all the textbook examples that you want all day, but nothing really beats sitting down and learning someone's story and listening to someone tell their story and then taking those pieces and connecting them together in their chart with the astrological knowledge that you have. As astrologers, you know, we're storytellers and we do it via the placements of the stars And it doesn't really get much cooler than that, does it? (laughs) So we really need to do this art, this craft justice by upholding it and studying as much as we can and just looking at as many charts as we can and figuring out all the different ways that these planets and these placements can express. And that, my babes, is the ninth house. It's one of my personal favorites because that's where my chart ruler is. So I feel pretty strongly about ninth house topics in my personal life. It's a house of higher thinking and deeper meaning. It wants us to examine our life and broaden our horizons and to possibly even believe in something bigger than ourselves. Look at your chart and really meditate with your ninth house and any placements or aspects within it. Ask yourself, am I a philosophical person? Does the occult and magic interest me? which I think, yes, if you're listening to this podcast, but, you know, ask yourself anyway, just to be sure. What role has spirituality played in my life or lack thereof? Do I like to travel mentally or physically? 
If you want more Moon content before the next episode, find me on Instagram at moonmatters.astro. All right, my babes, I will see you all later. Thank you.